Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Evan Etheridge. What's up, Evan? What's up, man? Uh, Hawks had a great week. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to talk some Hawks basketball, a little Braves. Uh, you know, overall, I think this is going to be good energy, positive vibes only. So, yeah, man, let's do it. Yeah, I, uh, I'll agree with you on that. The Hawks did have a good week. Um, on the court, and um, I think me and you're on the same page here, off the court also, some of the things that happened. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it was last Tuesday, we've already talked about it, but Nate McMillan got fired, and on Sunday night, just a few days after that, they have a new head coach already, and he is going to be the head coach for the rest of the season, which we'll get into in a second of just kind of how weird that is, but um, Quinn Snyder is the new head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. He gets a five-year deal from the team which includes this year. So it's really like a four and four and one fourth deal, I guess 4.25, I guess is you want to call it not a full year for the fifth year, but uh, overall five year deal for him. Um, we talked about him a little bit last week after McMillan got fired as a possibility for the head coach. So uh, yeah. What were your uh, first thoughts? Cause it was heavily rumored like on Friday and Saturday that he was the front runner and it looked like it was going to be him. And then it was official on Sunday night. Uh, so yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on Quinn? Cause I, I like to hire a lot. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm super excited about this hire. Um, yeah, he was, he was the number one guy from the get go that was kind of made public. Um, and they went out and got him like, uh, it was, it's kind of surprising that they're going to just, um, hire and then hire him and then throw him in, in the middle of the year like this. You don't really see this. Um, but I think it's a good move. I think we have an excellent roster, um, and, and, and Snyder said today that, that he's looking, he's looking to go on a run. And so, um, you know, this team is very capable of doing that. And I think Snyder is a excellent coach. I, I love to hire. Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. I think, um, he was probably the top guy on the market. I mean, you could probably have a debate between him and Udoka, but Udoka's got a lot more baggage than Quinn Snyder. So I think all things considered Snyder is definitely the best option when you consider all that stuff. But I mean, I think he he's a really good fit for this team. Like he's a more innovative offensive coach, much more innovative than Nate McMillan, even though that's kind of a low bar to clear. But he is uh, clearing it by a lot, as uh, some of the offenses he had in Utah were very good. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, guys like that. Um, you know, when he got we we talked about him how he got let go from the Jazz and like it was just like a mutual parting of ways last last off season. Um, so it really wasn't his fault. I think unraveled. They kind of just want to tear things down and rebuild. Um, but yeah, he was a, uh, assistant under Mike Boonholzer with the Hawks. So he's got the organization, organiza- organizational ties there. And, um, Woj also reported when he broke the news that, uh, Snyder will have a lot of say in the front office when it comes to player personnel. Um, he doesn't have an official title in the front office. He's still just the head coach. Um, so that's a little bit different, um, from some situations like when Mike Boonholzer was, uh, I think he was president of basketball operations for the Hawks as, as at the same time as he was the head coach. So it's not uh, probably as extreme as that, but he is looking like he's going to have a lot more say than Nate or Lloyd Pierce ever had, um, which I'm fine with. Um, I, I like it a lot better than him just straight up being the president of basketball operations because I just I've never been like in any sport in any capacity. It's very rare that the head coach and can be the GM or whatever and be successful. Like there's only a couple of guys like. Belichick and Greg Popovich that can do that and pull it off most of the time it ends up in a disaster uh so I'm kind of glad that, that this is the case instead of that 
But um, yeah, let's talk about how just kind of weird this is that he is going to be the coach for the remainder of the season because it's just kind of unprecedented something like this happening. I mean, there have been times where teams hire a guy from outside the organization in the middle of the year, but most of the time those teams are just terrible and they want to get a head start for the next season. That is not the case with the Hawks. Um, the Hawks aren't having a great year, obviously, but they're still very much in contention. They're more than likely going to be in some kind of postseason basketball and having a guy just come out of nowhere and uh, be the head coach that has no- had nothing to do with the team for the past, I don't know, few months of, I mean, however long the season's been going on, it's pretty crazy. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? If there's this weird scenario going on? Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it is kind of weird to see a team in contention with a good roster that, that is, is hiring midseason and, and just letting them come in. Um, so I, I'm actually not too sure if he's bringing in his own staff or if uh, Prunty's going to stay with the team. I, I'm not sure about that yet. Uh, but but it's 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 very interesting. Like you said, um, he really doesn't you know know much about the team, I guess. Um, just assuming that because because he wasn't, you know, within the organization for the past, you know, five months. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. It's it's definitely going to be a weird dynamic. I know, um, I know his offense. He's he's going to want to implement things right away, and so that m- might take some time for uh, for players and scheme to get to get kind of worked out. But I mean, honestly, I think it's a I think it's a good thing for the Hawks. Like, you go ahead and get your guy. You don't have to go to the off season where teams are going to be competing for this guy to to, to be their head coach. Um, you know, that's one way to look at it. But but with our roster right now, I mean, we're a very competitive team. We have a good roster. You you kind of want to keep these guys um, looking forward to the future. So I think getting them in here as soon as possible is a, is a good thing. And, and why wait, you know, why not? Um, this team is very capable of going on a run. Um, and, and, and with the roster we have, I, I think it's, you know, like I said, I think it's a good idea. So it, it's weird, but overall I feel good about the move. Yeah, um, I'm I'm fine with it too. Even though it's just something that never really happens. But uh, what you're saying about him bringing his assistants, I think I saw that it's going to be the regular Hawks assistants that have been with him all year. Um, so Prunty will probably be like first guy on the bench again. Probably the same setup when they, I don't know. One kind of weird thing about this is Nate's son is an assistant coach. Yeah, the team. I don't know. I believe I believe he's still been with the team since Nate's gotten fired. Um, I don't know if he's going to stay. What's going to happen with that? Kind of a weird thing going on, but. Um, I, this offseason, I think Snyder will definitely have his own guys come in, but it's just that'd be too much of an overhaul, honestly, for getting all the new bench coaches too. Like, it's a uh, really weird because Snyder's coaching tomorrow against the Wizards, and like the Hawks aren't going to be running none of his stuff tomorrow. Like, it's just impossible. Like, they're going to be running some most of the old stuff. Um, so I don't know what Snyder's really going to be doing. <laughs> like, still coaching, but it's, he's going to be coaching an, another man's scheme, which yeah. might be a little weird for him. But um. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. Probably going to be a weird adjustment period for him and the team. Um, but uh, I know we'll talk about the Cavs game in a minute, but after the Hawks played the Cavs on Friday night, it was reported that Donovan Mitchell talked to Trey Young after the game and like praised Snyder of how good of a coach he was and how important he was to his development and all that. And, uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell's an awesome offensive player, so that's a pretty good endorsement for Snyder from um, from Mitchell. So yeah, I think him and Trey will be a fantastic fit. Uh, I think like the I think this offense is just about to get much more creative, and mm-hmm. that is just something that they desperately need. I, I mean, Nate, we kind of it's like being a dead horse at this point, but he is just it was way too old school, 
no innovation and Snyder is just kind of a complete 180 to that. And I think that is exactly what they need. <clears throat> you know, I thought he was a much younger guy than he was. He's actually 56 years old, which uh, kind of caught me off guard. I thought he was like in his forties. He looks younger than he is. He's actually older than Joe Prunty, which that wow. makes sense because Joe Prunty looks no offense to Joe. I think he's a handsome guy, but he looks a lot older than <laughs> Quinn Snyder. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was kind of weird to find out, but um, yeah, a little bit about him in Utah. He had a three, 372 and 264 record as the head coach over eight seasons. Um, didn't have a lot of playoff success, but I saw that uh, on Twitter somewhere that uh, his a bunch of the series that he played it, that he coached in with the Jazz in the playoffs, they were like rarely favored in any of them. So it's not like they were just like disappointing every year and like losing to teams they're supposed to beat. Like they always had a good team, but they were just never the up uh, upper echelon team in the West, like up, up up there with some of the better teams in the, in that conference, they were always good. I know they had the one really good year where they were the one seed, I think. And other than that, they would kind of hover around three, four, five, six seeds. So they're, they're, they're good, but not fantastic. Um, But yeah, I, I love the hire. I think it's um really good step for the organization to take. I like doing it in the season. Um, not surprising they did this because knowing Tony wrestler and um, just his sense of urgency that he seems to have with his team, and it's just, it's just weird, man. Like, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the season that Schlink and McMillan are gone on February when they get fired, February twenty second, like, I was like, man, this they must be just terrible. Like, they must be <laughs> in the lottery, but they're not. They're uh, over five hundred now, and um, you don't really see that this often. I mean, I know Schlink didn't get fired, but he did uh, move away, and just. The Hawks have had a weird season behind the scenes. It's not not been anything usual for them. So, um, yeah, you got any uh, more final thoughts on Snyder before we talk about the games that happened before he got hired? No, I don't. Uh, I just, you know, I'm just super excited to to see his uh, to see how his coaching dwells on the players. Uh, you know, past two games without McMillan, the 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 vibes have been good, man. And and I hope just to keep that rolling and. Um, hopefully, hopefully Snyder doesn't do too much. Um, you know, I think this, this, this half of the year is really just going to be stepping in and, um, you know, just, just getting your foot in the door. So I'm excited to see what they do, man. Um, you know, we're, we're always a better team after the break and, and, and maybe these guys got some, some energy flowing through them right now. Um, yeah, I'm just excited, man. It's the, the future's bright for sure. Yeah. I mean, compared to a week ago on Monday, McMillan was still the coach. They had just had those two terrible losses before the all-star break. It's uh, the feeling is a lot different around the team right now. And, um, you know, I I remember I said last week, or I said last week before McMillan got fired, it's like, I don't care anymore. Like if he makes the play in and Nate's the coach, I'm not going to care because it's not going to do anything. Now, even if this team does end up in the play in with Snyder and as long as they, as long as they play well, these next 20 games or so, I'm going to have some more faith because it's just, it's a lot different. Like it's a new voice and, I mean, the way they play these past two games, we're going to talk about it. They played very well. So um, we can get into that now. So, uh, Friday night's game, first game back from the break against the Cavaliers at home. Uh, pretty favorable schedule spot for the Hawks as they hadn't played since um, before the break. And Cleveland did have to play play on Thursday. And yeah, um, yeah. so a, a good spot for the Hawks there against the Cavaliers. And they, it looked like it looked like uh, the result was that that was supposed to be. They won 136 to 119. Um, they had one of the best offensive performances of the entire season as they had a 49 point second quarter. Um, 
really like a laugher for most of the game. The Cavs did kind of uh, cut it close towards the end. They got to down to as little as 13, which that kind of shows you how much the Hawks were up by to when the deficit was close to 13. But a ton of guys played super well in this game. Uh, Bogey, Trey, DeJounte, Sadiq Bey um, had his best game as a Hawk as he was shooting the ball lights out. And um, one, one, one little note on Sadiq Bey, uh, I believe on tomorrow against the Wizards will be his fifth game with the Hawks. And it'll be the third head coach that he's played for in five games <laughs> with the team. That kind of kind of wild for him. Um, with it, like really really wild, like a couple weeks for Sadiq Bay between the trade stuff, the trade, the, yeah, almost not going through, just getting traded in general, and then what happened with his trade, and then Nate gets fired, Prunty's in for a couple games. Now it's Quinn Snyder. It's probably just been a whirlwind for him. So, um, shout out to him for kind of fighting through it and playing well still through, through all of that. So that that's pretty crazy. But um, anyway, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Because it was a really, really good performance coming out of the break for the team. Yeah, first game with uh, Pronti as the head coach coming back from the All-Star break. Um, we started off slow, like first three minutes, like, I don't know, a little shaky, a little shaky. And then like all hell broke loose um, about yeah. four minutes into the first. Like, dude, we were we were going off. Sadiq Bey had 13 at half. Um, halftime, yeah, halftime we were up 81-57 and – like Trey Young had 18, Murray had 15, Bay with 13, Bogey with 10. Like we were just spreading the ball around. Everybody was shooting. Um, you know, the team had some energy, man. And, and it was one of their best games of the year. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, it got, it got close towards the end a little bit. Like you said, they had a three to, to cut it to 10 and you were like, eh, okay. All right, guys, let's just close this one out. But uh, they ended up pulling away and, and, and there wasn't any time for them to come back. So um, yeah, like this was, this is very promising to see uh, coming back after the break. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Cavs are good. They had a tough little back to back there. So, you know, this was definitely a, a win that you had to have, um, you know, just because they were probably exhausted coming, you know, nine days off and then back to backs immediately. So uh, just a good win for the Hawks, man. Good way to get started. Yeah. Um, them having a back to back with travel and probably play the Nuggets night before is <clears throat> about as tough as it gets, really. Uh, especially, like you said, when they're off for so many days, probably took them a little bit to get their legs under them. But um, yeah, I mean, Cleveland's a good team. Still a very quality win, even though they're, Cleveland was at the disadvantage here. But, I mean, the Hawks played so well and just kind of dominated them to where I think even if Cleveland was on equal playing field rest-wise, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, the Hawks were just a lot better on Friday night. Um, and that's why I talk about Bogey for a second. Um, Statland's not super impressive. His shooting, it's like his efficiency was great. He only took five shots, though. But he had 10 points. All of them, all of them were in the first quarter. He looked awesome in that first quarter. And um, he was really good against the Nets, too. And the Hawks kind of uh, cut down his minutes. Only played 22 minutes because it was kind of a blowout for a lot of the game. They just um, trying to keep him fresh, which I think is a really good idea mm-hmm. to keep him as fresh as possible. You kind of tell before the break that he was dragging a little bit. Definitely could use the break. And um, I think that's a guy who you really need to manage his minutes. And I think they did a pretty good job of that in this game. When you don't need him, don't play him. When you need him, throw him out there. And Bogey has just been a huge part of both of these second half runs the past two years. And the way he started this second half, these last two games was like, it's going to be more of the same from him. So uh, that's that's very important. So we can uh, we can move on to the Nets game now on Sunday. Uh, another good offensive performance from the Hawks, 129 points. Defense, not as great um, in this one, but uh, still they were able to persevere and get a 129 to 127 win over uh, a good Nets team, a much different Nets team than um, you would think they'd be facing at the beginning of the season. You no know, Katie and Kyrie, obviously, but uh, so got McCall Bridges, 
Cam Johnson, those two guys were their two best players in this game, too. The pieces they get back for KD. Um, but uh, Trey, awesome game. Had the game winner at the buzzer, 39 points, eight assists. And uh, DeJounte, great again. Really efficient shooting night for him, too. Four of seven from three with 28 points. He was great. Bogey was really good, 22 points, uh, five of eight from three. And they've, they've shot lights out from three of these past two games, over 50% in both of them. That's very encouraging to see. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about this? Because it kind of ended up being a slugfest, even though the Hawks were up by a lot early in this game. They let the Nets back in, but they were able to um, fight through and get a really nice win at home. Yeah, just like the Cavs game sort of, uh, you know, had a big lead. They were up 18 in the second quarter. Nets come back, come storming back in the second half and and really made it tight. Like our our starters weren't playing very good. I know Trey and DeJounte played very well, but uh, Capella, Collins and Hunter just just didn't have it, especially on defense, man. They were just getting cooked. Um, yeah, Bogey was, was fantastic. Very efficient. Like you said, um, five of eight from three, like he looks like he's, he's very well rested and he's, he's back, man. Like you called it last, last week when you said that, that in 2021, uh, when we went on that run, that Bogey was one of the best shooters in the second half in, in the league. And, uh, you know, maybe he's a second half guy as well. Sure. Looks that way through too. Um, but yeah, let's get down to the, 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 the game winning shot, Trey young. Um, takes the ball in with five seconds left. Really, really looks like he's taking his time. And yeah, like I was like, all right, let's go, let's go. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> he was just he was just fluidly fluidly moving past half court, and uh, you know, ends up driving in, pump fake, gets gets gets. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Johnson that was on him or or I think it might have been Bridges. It was uh, Bridges was on the fake. front of him. And then um mm-hmm. then when he tried to swat him from the back and he somehow missed that swat, which was kind of weird to see. I thought he was gonna pack him there. Yeah, yeah. In real time, I thought oh, oh he's about to get packed. Like i yeah, that's like one of my, my, my moves right there. Like coming up from behind, <laughs> don't even see yeah. him. Never and, fails. Uh, some somehow he got the shot off and, and drains it with, with the time expiring. So just just a fantastic way to be like like you said, a solid Nets team. Like they still got really, really good players on their team. Um, but yeah, man, two and zero, baby, with Joe Prunty, J Dog. Yeah, J Dog. That was a great clip of him and Jalen Johnson. I, I enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, with the with the buzzer beater, Trey was he had a very like a uh, very good feel for how much time was left, and he was very nonchalant. It was a very calm game winner. Like mm-hmm. no one really went crazy. Like it was just like, oh, okay, he he made it. Game's over. <laughs> Which uh, it it wasn't like a it wasn't the craziest shot ever. It was kind of a very normal if that play happens with three minutes left in the first quarter you're just like okay nice play um wasn't as a wasn't as crazy as some of the i mean what happened did you see what happened in the sixers and celtics game on saturday yes, yes. like the tatum shot then Embiid making that full like three-fourths court shot then count that was wild i know last night too in the denvers the nuggets and clippers paul mm-hmm. george made one too that didn't count. It was some weird, crazy shots been going on. So I guess in comparison, comparison to those, it just wasn't as cool, which I get, but uh, yeah, really, really nice win. And then, you know, a little later on in the day, it gets announced that Snyder's the head coach. So yeah, Sunday was a great day for the Hawks buzzer yeah. beater. And you get a great coach one day. Like you can't, can't do much better than that. Yeah. You can't beat it. I mean, you really can't beat the the past week that the Hawks have had, man. It's, it's really been promising and, and, you know, coming out strong against against two good teams in the East, uh, Cavs and Nets. Man, the, those are tough, really, really good wins. Um, I just want to point out Joe Prunty finally let a Konglu finish a game, and I just yeah, want to they, say they close with him. That was awesome. Like Capella obviously didn't have it that night. You know, only six points, negative sixteen. 
get Okongwu in there, man, and and be a disruptor down low. It, it was just awesome to see, man. And, and he actually played very well. So, uh, yeah, so it's really good to see some 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 change. <laughs> yeah, and um, in this game, every starters plus minus was negative, and every bench guys was positive. So. <laughs> Uh, you don't yeah. see that all the time. Um, Bogey led the team with plus 28. So that kind of shows you how good he was. Plus 28 in 28 minutes. Can't fake that. That's just really good. Um, so, yeah, the bench the bench was great. Akongu, like you said, you know, if, if there's nights where Akongu's got it going. And, I mean, with this Nets matchup, like, I know Nick Cla- Nick Claxton's probably, like, a not the greatest matchup in the world for um, Capella. Akongu would be a more athletic guy on him. is a little bit better because Claxton can move a little better than Capella around the rim. Uh, probably easier for a Congo to keep up with him. Um, but a Congo has been playing really well lately and played well against the Cavaliers too. So yeah, the, I mean, the Hawks, they have 48 minutes every night of just really good center play. And that's something a lot of teams don't have. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very, very impressive game for him. And he, he's just been, he's been really good. Like he kind of have a slow start at the beginning of the season, but really like after his first month or so, he's been, about about how he thought he was going to be like he's like he's taking a little step up and he could definitely be a he's a starting caliber center and he's our backup so yeah he's 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 a very good so we can move on now talk about a little bit of standings um actually hard to do the standings right now because the Knicks are playing right now against the Celtics they're up by 10 points with about 10 minutes left um so if they win that game they will move up to I think a full four games in front of the Hawks in the standings let me pull it up this is great podcasting that I don't have this pulled up, but just give me one second. <laughs> uh, yeah, so right now, Hawks are sitting at 31 and 30. The Knicks are 35 and 27. Um, yeah, if they win this game tonight, they will be up four games on the Hawks. And the Heat just beat the 76ers. So they are now a game and a half up on the Hawks, too. So closer to the Heat than the Knicks, still an eighth in the uh, in the East. So, yeah, kind of unfortunate that the um, Heat and Knicks are playing two of the best teams in the East and they're beating both of them. Um, kind of uh, like the bank and a couple of losses for them against those good teams, but it like it's not going to happen tonight. So yeah, what, what are your thoughts on the um, the Hawks standings wise right now? Yeah, we've got some key games coming up. So I definitely think we can make some ground back to back against the Heat. Um, and then we've got back to back against the Wizards. So, you know, two teams that that you need to beat up on if you if you want to move up. Um, let's see. I'm looking ahead. Um, going a little West Coast swing, couple games. Just yeah. So I mean, it's it's all gonna play out. I think we can definitely catch the Knicks. I'm not sure if we have any more games against the Knicks, uh, this year. But we just we gotta take not. care of business. We don't. Right, our we last don't. our last one was that when we had laid an egg against them. So that's that's when that one's still gonna sting because that was just a huge game that they lost and they just got blown out. Yeah. I mean, it is time to start looking at standings, um, but yeah. I give it about about, you know, seven more games. And then and then you're seriously taking into account, OK, who, who are they playing tonight? Who, you know, yeah. uh, you can you can start getting a little bit more in depth here in the, here in the next couple of weeks for sure. Um, but we just got to take care of business, man. Coming out two and oh so far, um, you know, new head coach, you know, let's keep it rolling. That's, you know, that's all you can do. And and. You know, you can't worry too, too too much about the teams ahead of you for now. I mean, I think Brooklyn's going to continue to drop. I don't think the Heat are good, and and you know the Knicks, man, they're just they're just a little too inconsistent. You know, they look good some nights, and other nights they don't. So it'll all play out, and uh, I'm I'm excited. Maybe we can get a top 
top six seed. That'd be sick. Yeah, um, that that is the goal. Um, probably the, like the most realistic thing you can shoot for is getting in the top six. Um, but the Hawks they have a really interesting stretch coming up. They play the Wizards tomorrow, then Portland, and then they have a four game road trip that includes back to back games in Miami against the Heat, then back to back games in DC against the Wizards. That's super weird. And the span of four, or early in the span of these next six games, they will only play three teams. <laughs> so that's um kind of weird. But uh, yeah, they play. They have four games left against the Wizards. They haven't played them once this year, so I don't know how that happened. Making the schedule of just how they're only playing until now, um, kind of a weird thing. But um, yeah, those Heat games are going to be very important. Both of them in Miami. Um, they're the team right above the Hawks, and you know if you can't get the six, it would still be nice to overtake them for the seventh and have a home home court in case you were to play them and give yourself a better shot in the play. And so, yeah, their schedule it's a weird schedule because after that they got to play. Uh, the Warriors, I don't know if they'll have Curry back by them, but then the Celtics. So I got to play the Grizzlies once. Got to play the Mavericks, Boston again, and Philly. So they got some tough games on the schedule, but they also have some easy games like um, March 19th against the Spurs. Guess how many games the Spurs have lost in a row, if, if you haven't already seen it. I know they're they're like 14 and 40-something. Um, I'm going to guess they've lost 16 in a row. Oh my god, you nailed it! It's sixteen. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm like that's, that. Let's go. That's yeah. That that's um that's impressive from you, but it's also impressive from them that um losing sixteen games in a row is just unreal. Like that's that's crazy. Wabanyama time. Yeah, that they, they yeah. That's <laughs> that's what you gotta tell yourself right now as a Spurs Pop, fan. Pop needs to hang it up, man. He needs to, he needs to throw the boots. He's wait. He's waiting for Wimbanyana. He's the next Tim Duncan. He's coming. He's a grumpy old man. He just he just needs to <laughs> he just needs to leave, man. No, if, if they don't get the one pick, he might just be like, all right, yeah, that's it. It's <laughs> Wimbanyana or I'm retiring, which I don't blame him for, honestly, because he is he's incredible. Um, so yeah, we can uh we can wrap up the Hawks now. Like you said, great week for the team. Um, and yeah, very I I have a lot more optimism now than I've had in a long time for the team because it just like a, a week ago they were or maybe like a little over a week ago, they were just so unserious and frustrating and all all that all bad things but now i have a little more hope and i believe in a second half run a lot more than i did a few weeks ago so that's all i got on that so now we can talk a little baseball because there's been actual baseball going on braves have started playing real spring training games started on saturday against the red Sox, and we can just we can just fire right off that the way that game ended it is a spring training game it was the first game of spring but uh, the pitch clock has made its rounds. People are not happy with it, and I don't blame them because there's just been some absurd things going on. But uh, in the in this scenario, in this scenario, is a six to six game in the bottom of the ninth, and the bases are loaded with two outs, just like a dream scenario. And uh, it's Cal Conley at the plate, Braves' first base prospect, I believe, and. Um, he gets called for strike three on a yeah it was a three two count bases loaded like just perfect scenario and he gets called strike three for not being ready in the box when the catcher is literally standing up behind him so the catcher's not ready so he's thinking oh catcher's not ready I can kind of just stand here not get ready and umpire calls strike three he actually thinks they called ball four because the catcher wasn't ready he walks halfway down the line and I'm I'm sure everybody's seen the clip by now it's just ridiculous but um yeah what'd you think of that because that that was Funny, but um, a little bit concerning at the same time for this pitch clock. Yeah, yeah, just just 
an atrocity, like basketball, baseball, whatever you want to call it. We have a clock now that you have to you have to literally rush to pitch the ball and and rush to get in the in the batter's box. You, you don't even have time to think. You don't have time to get a sign. You just you just got to be ready. Like and Conley, he was the one in the box looking at the pitcher. The catcher is standing up looking yeah, at his his it's wrist. Just like, can you not call for the catcher for a pitch clock delay? Like, can you not? Is it only the pitcher or the batter? Like, they got to figure that out. Like, it's because if the, if you're the pitcher, it's like, hey, just stand up, give you some more time. Like, because they can't call it on you. So they got to figure some stuff out. It's too fast. It, it, they need another five, maybe 10 seconds. I mean, come on. This, you know, like imagine golf. Imagine where they, if they sat over you and, the, and they said, all right, you have 20 seconds to hit this golf ball. It's like, you, it takes a lot of the thinking out of the game. Like I obviously I understand you don't want baseball games to last over three and a half hours. I get it. Like that's ridiculous. It it does need a little bit to be sped up. But I think you just have a thirty second clock, like just running. No one no one has to see it. Like as a fan, that is giving me anxiety. Like <laughs> five four. Like pitch it. Like like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think the ret like the umpire should just have like a little thirty second timer and like just have it in his pocket. And if it buzzes before the balls at the, you know, being pitched or, you know, whatever, just call it. But you don't have, like, I just think it's too fast. Um, you know, hopefully they get through all these kinks in, in spring training because I would just hate, like, I, like me staying up for a West Coast game, Michael Harris is up, two guys on, and then they call him out. Like, it's one in the morning. I would be, I'm going to be so mad. So just get, get all this out of, get the kinks out of here and, and just, God, I mean, this is it's unwatchable almost sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, the the silver lining is that this was the first game of spring training, <laughs> so they got all spring to work this thing out because it's, it's spring training for the umpires too now. With this, they gotta they gotta adjust, and I'm I'm sure like today it was the Diamondbacks playing somebody, but um, they're we had a reliever in, and he didn't finish his warm ups in time, so they called ball one on him. But then the batter also wasn't ready, so they called a strike one. So the count started at one and one without a pitch being thrown. <laughs> like, like that just can't happen in the regular season. Like they're they're gonna the umpires have got to get a better feel for it. I mean, even I know this is a spring training game and they truly don't matter. Like the game ended right there in a tie because it's spring training. But the, to call that as the umpire is just like that's just showing zero feel for the situation and. How like like because they're never going to call like I if they do that in a real regular season game and God forbid yeah. a playoff game, it is it's going to be a true disaster. Like it is going to be like heads will roll. So I mean, get all the yeah like you said, get all the kinks out now in spring training. Let these umpires get a feel for it. And um yeah, like I I like the pitch clock personally, but if they're this is how they're going to enforce it and they're going to be lettered to the law. Yeah, like, this down the other and not have any leeway with it, then it's not going to be good. But I do expect things to get better. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of weird scenarios in the regular season. People are going to get really pissed off because it's going to happen to them. Um, like it, it's probably not going to be as big as what happened with this Braves game, but probably there's going to be a striker strike one or ball one called and people are going to think it's bullshit to their team. Yada, yada, yada. There's still going to be a weird adjustment period. But um, yeah, I know they've been releasing the times for the games and they've been very short games. Like the games have been much shorter. I think today, um, I forget who it was, but it was like a two hour and six minute game. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very short baseball game in comparison to how long they've been getting these days, which I'm fine with that. I think that's great. So as long as that, like they can get that 
figured out and have the short games, which I think they will eventually, at least I hope. I think it'll all end well, but it is weird right now. The stuff that's going on is weird. But uh, yeah. yeah. Um, no doubt. What, I mean, like, like when you when you buy tickets to go to a game, you you don't want it to be ruined by an ump. You don't. You this yeah. isn't a, this isn't a ref show. So in that scenario, man, you just really got to let it go. And I mean, three, two, two outs, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. You cannot call that. Like, <laughs> he just he just wanted his three seconds of fame. Like, dude, I get it. But like, honestly, yeah, I don't get it. That's ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. I don't know it's if it's not- that. If he like, if he thinks people are there to see him, or if it's like they umpires got sat down by Robbie and they're like, "Hey man, you got to call this shit on him now. Like we got to get them used to this thing." That might be what it is too. It's like let's just wear the hell out of it in spring training, so they'll know not to do this in the regular season. That might be part they're of. They're getting too. incentives for every single one of those <laughs> yeah. call. Like yeah, uh, awesome. I bet there's like, oh, let me just try. I don't see how it feels just to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird times in baseball, and also with the shift stuff. I know, um, in this Red Sox game, the Braves play. Matt Olson hit a ground ball to second base, and it was a base hit. It went right yeah. through. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool to see. So, um, that yeah, baseball is a lot different this year. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird for a little bit. Um, some getting used to for sure. Um, but yeah, the Braves in full blown spring training now, real games. Um, and uh, I think it's a good a time, goodest time as ever to go through some of the projections for the team. See what we think about them. So these are all on fan graphs. These are fan graphs slash the zips projections of what they got for the team. And uh, we'll just do like the standings ones first um, to see what you think of this. Uh, the Braves are projected by fan graphs who have the best record in baseball this year. 93 and 69. Um, one game better than the Yankees for second with 92 and 70. Um, I'll go through the entire NL East right now. Um, the Mets are at 91 and 71 for second place. The Phillies are at 85 and 77 and um, way down towards the bottom. Uh, the Nationals are 66 and 96 and the Marlins are at 79 and 83. Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on those standings? Because they love the Braves. They think they're going to be the best team in baseball. They do love the Braves. Uh, I've seen a lot of these projections. Um, you know, we're projected highest for war, higher, highest for this, high, you know, it's all projections, man. And, and it's, it's something that you shouldn't get too excited about, but, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting to, to just look at these numbers and, and see where they're getting they're in, you know, specific war numbers from and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, we still have a loaded roster and people forget that, um, you know, really, really looking to, to put some distance between us and the Mets because, um, if, if we're only separated by two games, I might have another heart attack. Um, <laughs> so ho- hopefully, hopefully we're not having to chase them down again this year. Um, but yeah, I think the Mets and Phillies are gonna, both going to be very competitive teams. Um, it, it's going to be best division of baseball. I'm, I'm calling it now. So, um, yeah, watch out for the Marlins too, because they're, they're, they're sneakily getting better and making a lot of trades and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they can be a team that can upset you any night any day of the week. So yeah, best division of baseball for sure. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. I mean, the Braves and Mets, they had their historic battle last season and then the Phillies in the middle of all that went to the world series. So like they are a very, very good division. And it's not going to be easy to win it for a six year in a row. Um, but we kind of transition now to the players. So um, they have each position group ranked one through 30. So we'll start off with the catcher position. 
And they have the Braves ranked as the fourth best catcher group in baseball by war at 5.2. The teams in front of them are the Blue Jays at number one with Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk. Both those guys were awesome last year, so they got them being really good again. The number two is the Dodgers with Will Smith, who is one of the best hitting catchers in baseball, and Austin Barnes, who is a really good backup, really good defender. Then at three, they got uh, the Orioles, which is just all Adley Rutschman, who he's probably the second best catcher in baseball right now behind Real Mudo. And then the Braves are fourth. So uh, what do you think about those rankings? Um, do you think the Braves are too low, too high? What do you think? Um, I think the Braves are a little too low, to be honest with you. Um, I think Darnold is good for two. Just with his, you know, framing abilities, it, it it's more than what shows up on War that really hasn't been, um, been able to been translated too well. I think Darno's still a great framer, um, and I, and I, you know, the projections for Murphy, I think, are pretty spot on. I think he hits higher average, um, in Atlanta. You know, moving from from that god awful park in Oakland, um, yeah. but I I want to see him a little bit behind the plate a little bit more. I know he's got a cannon. We've seen a couple videos and clips from that, so. Uh, I think it's a little low, but it's hard to argue against Adley, Will, and and Kirk and Jansen. That duo up there is really, really nice. So, um, you know, they got some good competition, and and four isn't bad at all. So, I think we're gonna get a really good production from our catchers, no doubt. Yeah, um, it is it is interesting because the the Braves' big strength of catcher is having two guys, kind of similar to the Blue Jays, how they have two really good guys. And um, it's just like I, I when I looked at these originally, I was kind of thinking that the Phillies might be ahead of the Braves just because how good Real Mudo is. So it's just kind of weird to evaluate like which guys or which teams rather than to have one main catcher. Is that main catcher worth more than two really good catchers like Will Smith, Adley Rutschman, JT Real Muto? Uh, so I think the, the catchers this year, especially with how the Braves and Blue Jays are set up, were very tricky to rank. Um, but yeah, the Braves are usually a top five catching group in baseball. Murphy, I think, is all things considered the third best catcher in baseball behind Real Muto and Rutschman. So, yeah, I think fourth is fine. Um, maybe I was kind of surprised seeing Will Smith and the Dodgers that high at two. Um, they love Will Smith. Again, projected for four war. He can he can rake, so I get it. Um, but he's not the greatest defender in the world. He's not bad, but he's not at the level as Murphy or Real Muto or Rutschman. So, um, yeah, we can we can move on now to first base, which, uh, spoiler alert, the Braves are really good at first with Matt Olson. Um they are ranked, let's see where they got them at here. They're fifth, so another top five unit for the Braves at first base with Matt Olson. They got him projected for 4.1 war, and um, that is pretty much all of the wars. They're projected for 4.2 total. Um, Matt Olson's projected to be really good this year for the Braves. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think of Olson and the first base unit ranked at five? Uh, hold on, let me say who's in front of them first. Number one, Dodgers and old friend Freddie Freeman, Cardinals and Paul Goldschmidt, to Blue Jays and Vlad at three. And then Pete Alonzo and the Mets are right in front of the Braves. They have Alonzo and Olsen with identical projections with War, both at 4.1. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on the first base position? Yeah, I'm super interested to see how Matt Olsen does with the shift being semi-banned. Um, I think his average definitely goes up, like, uh, a lot because he, he likes to ground out to second or last year it was right field. And so, um, you know, I think those are going to start finding holes a little bit more and look, Olsen's going to have a better year this year. Like last year, a lot of change, his numbers were down a little bit, but still very solid. Like, and I think he's just going to get more comfortable here. I'm, I'm looking for a really big year for Matt Olson for sure. Yeah. And his, um, his zips projections are even higher 
Um, he's projected for 4.7 WAR according to Zips and a 137 WRC plus and to hit 37 homers. So that's a a very hefty projection for him, and um, I think he can do it because, you know, he was good last year, but he wasn't he wasn't the same guy he was in 2021 when we traded for him. So um, I definitely think he's I would say a bounce back here because he wasn't bad last year. He was still good, but I do think he's going to uh, be a a pretty solid amount better than he was last year. Just uh, having another year in Atlanta, probably way more comfortable, shipping banned. A lot of things are going his way. So uh, we can move on to second now. And uh, Ozzy Aubies is back and should have a very full season, a healthy year. And uh, they have the Braves, the Braves ranked ninth of second baseman. Um, it's hard to evaluate Ozzy. I get that because he was hurt so much last year. And when he did play, he wasn't fantastic. But nine seems a bit low, um, to be honest with you. I think Ozzy is kind of a, like a sleeper guy um, for how good he's going to be this year. I think people are kind of starting to underestimate him and forget how good he is. So this is kind of the first one I really disagree with kind of, because I think the Braves are a bit too low on this one. So what what do you think? Well, I don't think they ranked Aussie too low. I just think our, our, our depth is not very good at that position because he's he's projected a 3.4 war. That's number four on this list. So I think he's adequately ranked. Um, You know, hopefully he becomes a little bit more disciplined as he's as he's aged, taking a year away from the game a little bit. Um, You know, he's still got to stop swinging at that first pitch so much. I I know you want to be aggressive. I know this and that. Um, He's another guy where the the shift is going to help. Looking for a bounce back year from Ozzy, man. I really, really like Ozzy Albies. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's all I got on him. Yeah, and um, yeah, that is true of the Braves' depth. The only other guy that's projected for any war at second is Arcia with point three at playing second base. So um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Ozzy's gonna be playing a lot, so he's gonna get all the war. Um, but like I think, I mean, they're they're tied with the D-backs at eight at three point eight. But I think like uh, they they should probably be above them. I don't I don't know about giving Josh Rojas almost a full point of war. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um. But other than that, I mean, I can see like the Marlins are giving like a bunch of guys time at second base on here. Uh, so that's just feeding into their war too. But like, like you said, the these are just projections, like a lot of weird stuff could happen in the baseball season. Um, but uh, yeah, second base is an interesting spot, but I still think it's a position of strength for the Braves for sure. So uh, we can go to a shortstop now, which this one, you got to scroll down a good bit to find the Braves as they're 26th in a projected shortstop war. Von Grissom is projected for 1.9 war and Arcia is projected for 0.9. So uh, yeah, let me pull up Vaughn's regular projection here. Um, according to Zips, they have Vaughn being a 97 WRC plus, so 3% below league average and being worth 1.7 war, hitting 10 homers over 109 games. And then for Arcia, they have him being a 91 WRC plus, playing in seven ga- 73 games and also hitting 10 homers. So um yeah, what do you think of shortstop? Because we talked about it a good bit, Vaughn, all that stuff this offseason. So what do you think about their projections? And do you think uh like what what are the chances? Like over under 1.9 for Vaughn Grissom, what would you pick? Uh I'm going over. And I think he plays more than 109 games, you know, given yeah. that he's healthy. Um, I think he plays more than that. Um, but but really, really big year for Vaughn, man. He's He's been past the the crown at short, Dansby of departing. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be super interesting. Um, you know, he started off super hot when he got to Atlanta, kind of slowed down and then ended up losing his his role 
as as the postseason started and and got got closer to the postseason. So he wasn't really playing much. And so, um, you know, I know he's worked very, very hard this offseason with Wash and and the guys in the organization to kind of round his game out at short. So I'm I'm very curious to see how his defense is going to be. That's a big gap with uh, Dansby departing, like I said. Um, but yeah, I know the bat is there. We just we just gotta gotta see what his defense looks like and and, and see if he can, you know, kind of kind of, I'm you know, Dansby was very streaky, and so if we can just have a little bit more consistency, um, you know, ten homers isn't isn't bad at all. I'll take that. So, uh, big year for Grissom. Yeah, it is. He is probably the biggest storyline um, this spring training, also with the team, and um, yeah, he is. They're counting on him um, to be at least, at least solid. And if he does what his projection is, like be just around a league average hitter, and maybe if his defense gets the average too, like that's fine. I mean, the Braves probably would take that right now, honestly, with just the uncertainty around him. And with everybody else and what the other guys are supposed to be doing, like he doesn't have to carry a huge load. Like he just needs to be fine. If he's fine, then the Braves will take that. So move on to third base. And uh, the Braves back in the top five in this one with Austin Riley. They are actually number five behind the Cardinals or number one with Arenado. The Astros are second with Bregman, which kind of surprised me. They love Alex Bregman. Um, so he's the, he's their second ranked uh, shorts or not shortstop third baseman. Number three is the guardians with Jose Ramirez. Number four is the Padres with Machado. So yeah. What do you think about um, Riley and the Braves being at fifth? I, it just really surprised me how much they love Alex Bregman. That kind of caught me off guard. He's a good player. Um, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's better. You could probably argue he's better than Riley, I guess, just because of his defense, but I don't think he's better than Machado or Jose Ramirez at all. So, yeah, yeah. what do you think about this one? Because it's a bit interesting here. Very interesting. I think Machado should be number two. I think he's – Yeah, I agree. He's unreal. So, he just got paid. Um, yeah, he did. He just got freaking paid. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Braves in the top five. Austin Riley, he's he's becoming a cornerstone for the Braves. Um, big contract last year, signed it. So, he's here to stay. I think he has a huge year. And and continues to improve. I mean, five war. I think, I think he'll be right around that. Maybe six, five point five, somewhere in that area. Um, but yeah, he hits for average. He hits home runs. Like, he's the man. He's the man. He's only going to get better. Yeah, he is one of the three guys that Zips has projected to be a ridiculous hitter, along with Olson and Ronald Acuna. Um, he's projected to be second on the team with a one forty WRC plus and 5.6 war to hit 37 homers. Um, just to have your projection that high is saying something. That's a very high projection. And um, I think you can do it because, I mean, he's at the past two years, and I don't – I don't. Austin Riley just seems like a sure thing at this point. Uh, you can pencil him in for 35 to 40 homers. He's going to have an OPS that's going to get around 900. You know, his defense isn't fantastic, but he's fine over there. I think he's just maybe like a little below average. He's not going to kill you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's about as solid as they come and there's not much to talk about just cause he's just kind of proven out at this point. You think he's below average on, on defense? That's just a little, just a hair. I don't think I, some people, he's like, some people think he's great and which I don't agree with, but some people think he's terrible, which I don't agree with. He's somewhere in the middle. He's average. Yeah. I think he's good. I think he's, I think he's good. I think he's a little underrated. Um, cause I see that people pull up these numbers and, and I see all numbers, numbers don't like him at all. Um, no, which they I, don't. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like he's a guy that if you watch um and, and don't see all these fan graphs numbers that were being thrown at every day, um, yeah. it's kind of hard to get lost in those. But I, I mean I think he's a good defender. Um 
but yeah, yeah. Excellent. You know, what you got, you know, what you got in Riley. So you don't even have to worry about him, man. He's, he's, he's going to be huge for us. Yeah. And, um, on the, the defensive metrics, you can't like, when I, when I look at like other guys that don't play in the Braves defensive metrics, I don't judge them off that because it is still a thing that has like so many imperfections with it still mm-hmm. that, um, you, you got to watch them too. It's that's hard for me. It's part I test and I do consider the numbers like watching mm-hmm. Riley, I don't think he's as bad as his numbers say he is, but I don't think that he's like, like a, a super positive guy either. Like he's not, gotcha, he's, gotcha. he's, he's closer to like a Rafael Devers than he is to the upper, upper echelon guys like Machado and Arenado. So to me personally, that's my opinion. Um, but uh, there, I know Chip Carey thought Austin Riley was the second coming of a defensive <laughs> God at third base. So um, we can, we can move on now to the, uh, the next position which uh, we're starting to dip into the outfield here and we'll go ahead and rip the bandaid off with left field because this one is rough. If you thought shortstop was rough, um, you need to see this one because they are ranked 29th in baseball um, in left field war projections at 1.1. They have Eddie Rosario uh, projected for a whopping 0.0 war. And they have Ozuna and Luplo combining for one point. And they're getting that other point one from somewhere from Kevin Pillar, Eli White, or Sam Hilliard. So yeah, this is uh, the the most abundantly clear weak spot on the team. And I listen. I don't think they're this bad, honestly. I, I'm a little bit higher. They can't on them. be. I don't think they're going to be good. But I mean, the, the only team worse than them is the Texas Rangers, who their leader, their projected leader in left field war, the Gross Man, Robbie Grossman, gross. Braves legend. So. Um, yeah, I, I guess if the Braves would have added Robbie, they probably would have jumped up a spot or two, maybe hop the athletics. But yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think of left field? Because uh, they don't like it. And I don't. I, I can't say I blame them because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not much to like here. You know, after the year Eddie had, like with surgery, just a very weird year. I think, I think he comes back and I think he bats 265. I mean, that's just the, that's who he is. That's his identity. Um, last year was, like I said, just super weird. I think he gets his feet back under him, can finally see the ball. Um, hopefully that helps a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, other than Rosario, he's going to be splitting time with Ozuna. Like, you don't love Ozuna. Like, he's just been – like, you've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to, to, to make that 2020 turn again during that COVID year. Um, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I – Honestly, I honestly think he's probably gone. Uh, I think he gets traded throughout the year, some sometimes somewhere, or or, or just cut completely. Um, I, nobody's gonna want his contract, but um, yeah, this is not looking good in left field. It's 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 definitely the weakest position for the Braves. Yeah, it's not, and I know a lot of people are, are not happy that the Braves really didn't do. I mean, they got Jordan Luplo. And by the way, he's the only guy that they signed to a major league contract the entire offseason, which is just so weird. But um, yeah, I just want to remind people that this is not the team that's going to be in the playoffs with the Braves. Like they have all this all season till the trade deadline to get a new left fielder if they need one. And I think that's kind of part of the thought process with this offseason. It's like, hey, we don't love a free agent. Let's kind of wait it out and see what the trade deadline looks like. Because um, yeah, it's just it's rough. I did um a little silver lining here. The uh, Zips projects Ozuna and Luplo to both have a 111 WRC plus. So if they both do that, then the hitting is not going to be in terrible shape. But uh, defensively, 
that I mean the defense would be worse than the hitting between those yeah, guys for sure. The Zuna, Eddie. I haven't I haven't watched any of Luplo's defense. Um, he's like he's like around an average defender according to the numbers, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough for sure. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we can uh, move on now to center field, which these next two positions are a lot more fun to talk about. Center field and right field. Uh, they have the Braves at number five with Michael Harris getting the majority of the plate appearances at 609. They have Ronald actually being the backup center fielder and getting about 56 plate appearances, which that's just not a lot at all. But they have Harris projected for 4.4 war and Zips projects Harris for a 4.7 war. So um, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this one because they have Brandon Nimmo and the Mets at number three, uh, which that's a, that's a debate. I think that's already getting fired up a lot. Who's better Nimmo or Harris. So what do you think of this one? Yeah, the Trump man. This is interesting. <laughs> I think, I think Michael Harris is a stud. Um, I think he's going to continue to build on last year. His defense is excellent. Like dude showed flashes of Andrew Jones out there in center. So I think I think this may be a little bit low, to be honest with you, because hell, if he bats anywhere close to 275 with excellent defense, I think he's well above a 4.4. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's got power. He's got pop. He can do it all. Um, super excited to see if he if he takes a leap this year. Um, you know, pe- people say that the second-year sophomore slump, you know, is kind of a thing. It kind of happened with Ronald. So it'd be interesting to see um, what 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 he produces this year, and uh, you know, it is what it is, man. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Michael Harris and support him. So you know, I'm just excited to see what he does, what kind of product he puts out. Yeah, they have him. Um, his offense taking a little step back. Um, Zips has him at a 119 WRC plus, which last year I believe he was a 135. So a little step back on um, offense, uh, but even if he does that, that's still excellent for a, a center fielder that plays as good as defensive hit as, as he does. And I mean, if he if he does what he does last year for a full one sixty two, he's gonna touch like eight WAR, like maybe yeah. like he's gonna approach eight to nine WAR, which like that's an absurd thing. I mean, the only guys that are in front of him, number one, kind of obvious is Mike Trout. I'm not gonna argue with that one. Number two is Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners. Again, he's really good. Then the Mets, Brandon Nimmo at three. And then they got the Yankees at a four, but they got Judge and Harrison Bader both playing in center field. Uh, so that kind of uh, tips them over the top with uh, Aaron Judge projected to have 1.1 of his war in center field, even though he is uh, only supposed to have 84 plate appearances. So it's pretty impressive if he would do that. 1.1 war and 84 plate appearances is uh, kind of crazy projection. But yeah. Um, that's a, that's a lot, but yeah, they got Acuna playing a little bit of center, which I think that's a something that I, that I would probably agree with. Um, with his knee being back to hundred um, percent, I think he is the clear backup center fielder. Maybe they want Hilliard out there. Who knows? Who knows if he makes a team? So we'll move on and talk about Ronald now, though. In right field, uh, they love Ronald on here, and I don't blame them. I, I think he's a uh, due for a huge bounce back year. They have him a number four in their rankings. Um, for the right fielders, guys in front of him are Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, and Kyle Tucker. Um, I, you could make the argument that he's better than Kyle Tucker. Uh, they're actually projected for, let me see, he's projected for 0.4 more war than Ronald. But I think um, it's hard to argue against Mookie and Aaron Judge. So what, what do you think about Ronald and right field? Yeah, when when fully healthy and when on, Ronnie's a top five uh, outfielder or top five right fielder in the game. 
you know, top 10 outfielder for sure. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think these are far off at all. I think, I think Ronnie definitely has a bounce back year. Um, I would like to see that average up a little bit from, from 272. I know that's kind of nitpicking a little bit, but if the power is there, 272 is absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really want to see him excel this year and stay healthy. Um, you know, it, look, it looks really good in the offseason, putting in that work. So, you know, I'm expecting big things out of him, and, and he needs to be a cornerstone of this franchise for sure. I mean, if if, if, if we're going to win now, like him and him and Riley got to definitely carry the load. Yeah, and him and Riley, they are uh, tied for the Zips lead, and war projections are both predicted for 5.6, and Acuna – is uh, projected to be the best hitter on the team this year with a 143 WRC plus, 32 homers and 31 steals, um, 504 slugging. They they expect him to fully bounce back, and I completely agree with them. I think he's going to be fantastic. And I think he's going to be back to being the best player on this team and one of the best players in baseball. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. I, I believe in Ronald Acuna. That's my guy. He's my favorite baseball player. He's my favorite baseball player. <laughs> so... We can uh, we can talk about DH for a second. It's kind of the same thing as left field. Like it's it's a lot of the same guys, except for the catchers are involved in this. They have them ranked twentieth. Ozuna getting most of the plate appearances with Darno in second um, at two thirty one, but they haven't projected for one point three WAR or um, yeah one point three. So yeah, I uh, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be playing a lot. Like you said, Ozuna. Who knows what's up with him. Um, I probably I probably would say he would get the most of the uh, plate appearances of DH if he is on the team, um, but with Darno and Murphy mixed in there, it's a weird DH situation for sure with the Braves. Yeah, super weird. You're gonna see the catching tandem, the duo dynamic duo get some get some at bats. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be a place where you you throw in a guy that needs a, a day off because a lot of our team is very versatile and and can move around, shift around, play multiple positions. I know we got Arcia. Rosario can move around a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a good place to give guys give guys a day off, give give them a day off their uh off their legs out in the field. And you know, it's gonna be a, a lot of different guys being plugged in there. So um, like you said, Ozuna is probably gonna be the guy in there to start the year. Um, but but if 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 he can't hit again, like like don't keep starting him, don't continue to yeah. run him out there, like yeah, uh kind of have a short leash with him like that's all, that's all i can say yeah and I, this is another position that if things just go terribly wrong that is definitely like eligible for an upgrade in the season like mm-hmm. I, I can totally see them going out and get a just a full-time dh that's going to dh every single day that's on the trade market on a bad team somewhere like i don't know who that guy is but he exists somewhere so we can move on to the starting pitching now um they got them at number six um teams that got in front of them the yankees are number one the rangers are two with uh, Jacob deGrom and Eovaldi in there. Three is the Mets, four is the Brew Crew, and number five is the Phillies. So, yeah, they got Max and Strider tied for three and a half four to lead the team. Um, they got Kyle Wright and uh, Charlie Morton at about like 3.7, 3.8 ERAs. So what do you, what do you think about these guys? And then um, we can talk about the fifth fifth starter spot too um, when, we, uh, when, we get, when we get there. So, yeah, what do you think about the rotation? Yeah, top four are pretty much locked. Like, yeah, we we have a we have a good starting four. Like, Kyle Wright, big improvements last year. You know, uh, I think he had, how many wins did he have? Like, did he, he hit twenty one? I think he had twenty one. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was he was awesome. Wins. Like, he, you you felt super confident when you were going to have him pitching. Um, you know, Freed. You know, he's he's a veteran at this point. Like, I just want to pay the man. <laughs> uh, come on, yeah, yeah. give, give him some know. money. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, Morton looking to have a little bit of a bounce back year. Um, you know, he gets older every year. Seems like his his kind of fallen off. A I mean, little they bit all last... get older every year. Yeah, yeah, but his game, his, his game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking for a little bit of bounce back this year. Limit the walks a little bit. Um, and, and Strider looking to have you know rookie year. He's a stud coming out. So um, definitely number 99, wild thing, looking to make an imprint, mm-hmm. make make his yeah. name known. Yeah, and Zips Zips likes Freed and um, Strider a lot more than uh, to Fangraphs do. Like Freed's projected for the 302 ERA, when on Fangraphs he's projected for a 331, I believe. Yeah, 331. Yeah. So there are a lot of ERAs are a lot lower for Strider and, uh, and Freed. Thing with Striders, they only have him pitching 149 innings, which um I'd like to see that a little bit higher. Uh, I know he kind of had a little injury thing, and he didn't have a full year as a starter last year. But they got free for 183, which is a lot of innings to be projected for. And Morton and Wright are projected, but after that, um, the next highest guy that that as a starter is projected is Mike Soroka or Michael Soroka now at number eight. Uh, so they got a few relievers in front of him with Iglesias, Mentor, and McHugh. So yeah, we talk about the number five starter spot now. And uh, yeah, who who would you lean towards? Would it be Soroka, Anderson, Elder, um, a guy that's still like a prospect, like a Dylan Dodd or a Darius Vines? Like who are you leaning towards right now? Ah, this is tough because yeah. if Soroka is healthy, like you want to say him, but you, you, we haven't seen him in three years. And he so, already has a hamstring problem this spring too. So it's, I just, I hate it for him. The injuries yeah. never seem to end. This like, one isn't super major. So hopefully he can, hopefully he can get a few starts in in spring, but um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough to already have something. Yeah. I mean, I guess you got to go back with Anderson to start. I mean, elder finished the year pretty good for us. Um, I know he looked shaky the other day against the the Red Sox and in, in the, um, spring training game but really i mean anderson and elder are are the two guys that i would have competing for the fifth spot right now um i mean colby allard you you traded to get him back he never really like turned into anything with the rangers um so i just don't know i i mean i I, you know it's it's a tough call because any four of those guys could could probably be plugged in and and given the shot you just you just don't know what you have till you see that yeah, it is. It's a crapshoot right now, but there's still some upside. I mean, Ian Anderson, I still have some faith in Ian Anderson. I think the Braves do too. I mean, he was really good two years ago. Like his first two seasons were both really good. And the same guy that threw five no hit innings in the World Series. Mm-hmm. And he might be your fifth starter. Like you can do a lot worse. And then Soroka, we know the story with him, all the terrible injuries. The last time he actually pitched, he was incredible. So, I mean, there's still some real upside with these guys. But um, one guy that I want to point out is my kind of breakout candidate um, that I think could end up being like a getting good amount of stars being really good is Darius Vines. I think he could come up and be really good for the Braves this year. Um, his strikeout projections are pretty good for a guy that hasn't thrown a big league pitch at 8.11 Ks per nine. Um, he got promoted AAA last year. I think he could he could come up and be really successful and kind of I won't, I'm not gonna say Strider because that's just not unfair for that kind of uh, expectation, <laughs> uh, but maybe just like a like a solid like rookie starter maybe like a Bryce Elder but a little more a uh, little more innings pitched a few more starts that's what I'll say like I think Bryce Elder but he can actually pitch against not the Nationals or the Marlins 
because Bryce Holder was only allowed to pitch against those two teams <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> is is Dylan Vines? Is he a, is he a, a lefty or righty? Uh, let me see. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, he is he is a righty. So he's 24 years old, right-handed pitcher, um, six foot one, 190. Good build on him. Has has some good um, strikeout projections this year. I like the strikeout numbers a lot. Uh, so I, th- I think he could he could be really good uh, with with the Braves. Um, yeah, he's kind of like my breakout guy, my breakout guy that has a chance to uh, dark horse fifth starter spot. Is what I'll say. All right, I like it. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I don't ha- I don't have a breakout star candidate yet. Uh, but but ask me here in a couple weeks, and uh, I, I'll give you somebody. I'll give you a bold prediction. Jesse Chavez. Is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rez, um, Rezel Iglesias has a point zero one ERA this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't put it past him. He kind of he kind of did that last year. So, <laughs> all right. So we can go. We can get into the last group here. That's the relief pitching, and they are number one in the projections. Boom. Number one. Um, so yeah, project had the best bullpen. Iglesias is projected leader in war with Mentor at second, but they're projected for 5.1 war. And that is it's a very sizable gap between them and number two, which is the Guardians. The Guardians are projected for 4.4, so 0.7 point difference with uh with the number one and two, which is probably the largest I've seen of any of these groups. So yeah, they love the Rays bullpen, and um I do too. I think they're gonna be really good and uh yeah, they made some kind of low-key additions that I like a lot, like Lucas Lickey. They got him from the Yankees. He had been really good for them the past two years. Um, Nick Anderson, I like him a lot. I know we talked about him a while back when we signed him. But, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on the bullpen? Because they're supposed to be awesome again. Yeah. Yeah, no, our, our bullpen stacked again. Um, you know, losing Luke Jackson, I know he really didn't. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Luke Jackson. Sorry. Yeah. I got him mixed up with Jackson Stevens. I know you're losing him, but he didn't really pitch for us last year. Um you know, Dylan Lee definitely had a had a better year. Kirby's coming back. Joe Jimenez, you got him. And then you got your top three that are just set. Like you can go, you can go to them anytime. You, you can count on them with Mentor, Iglesias, and McHugh. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this 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 bullpen is nasty. Like we've got depth for days. Like even even our our, our bottom two guys, I mean, like Jesse Chavez, you know. Yeah. What more can you say about that guy? So um you know, just super well-rounded, and and the Braves do a good job. You know, for the past few few years, um, you know, building a, a a deep bullpen. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one guy I want to talk about in a little bit of detail here is Joe Jimenez. There's a little bit of pressure on Jimenez, um, I, I, especially for me personally. I got personal. Uh, I don't want to say ill will because I don't. I, I'm really rooting for the guy, but I need him to be good. And I think a lot of Braves fans feel the same way because that trade, I still don't love it. Um, trading Justin Henry Malloy for him because I, I'm a little bit impartial to Malloy. He's a Georgia Tech guy, so I didn't want to see him go. And he was the Braves' like top position player prospect. And trading him for uh, a reliever that has one year left for free agency is a risky move. So I'm sure Anthopolis is like this guy needs to be good. He's kind of uh, the pseudo replacement to Kenley Jansen as the second righty in the bullpen behind Iglesias. Uh, maybe McHugh will be that instead this year, but him and McHugh are one and two for the second righty spot. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of pressure on Joe Jimenez, but he was really good last year, and I think he could be good again this year. And, uh, yeah, he he needs to be because this could be – this the Braves kind of put their neck out a little bit with this trade. I said it at the time, and I still kind of feel that way because I think Malloy has some really, really good potential with the bat, 
Um, he doesn't have a position in the big leagues, but I think he can really hit. So, yeah, I, I just want to point that out, that I'm going to have a little bit of a magnifying glass on him this year. So, yeah, what do you think? What do you think about Joe, though? What, what do you think about um just him kind of rep- – he's going to be the closer, so he's not, like, directly replacing Kinley. Obviously, Rice was going to be the closer, but how do you feel about the righties in the pen? Yeah, Joe Jimenez, I think he – did he play for the White Sox or Detroit? Ti- Detroit Tigers last year, yeah. That's right. So, I mean, he's been on a very bad team. He probably hasn't yeah. been put in the best scenarios. Like, um, you know, his whip last year was 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 really low, 1.09. So, yeah. not bad at all. Like, um, He was great last year. I'll give it. He was really good, and I get why they made the trade because they need another righty. But it was just an interesting guy to move to get him. Yeah, I mean, we're stacked on righties. Yeah. Joe, Colin, Iglesias, like I think I think we're good righties. We have a good mixture of, of lefty righty, um, mentor Dylan Lee, Litke. Like I want to see, I want to see a little bit more out of him. Uh, I don't, I don't know too much about him. Um, but yeah, I mean they've got they've got good relievers from both sides, and that's exactly what you want. Good mix of both, plug and fill when you need to. Um, yeah, like this is. This is going to be good again. Like good pitching. I mean, you know, good offense will only get you so far, but but great pitching will just, you know. So 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 to be in the top five and starting pitcher relief pitching is is super super awesome. Yeah, I mean, all these units, majority of them are awesome. Majority of them are in top ten at least. A lot in the top five. Like this team is very very good. And uh, just looking at the total amount of WAR to wrap things up, they're projected. Uh, for their totals to be number one, 52.6. So yeah, they're, they're supposed to be really good. Number two, or actually they're, they're second. Sorry. The Yankees are number one at a 52.9. Actually, I said, I'm wrong. <laughs> the Padres are number one. The Braves are third. They just went for number one, number three in the past 30 seconds with me. Cause I can't read this uh, chart cause they don't have it in order and according to war. So I don't know why they would do that whenever their list is, uh, <laughs> in uh, actual order, but number three is not bad. Not bad at all behind the Yankees and the Padres. Um, so, yeah, the Braves are going to be awesome. Probably easily a top five roster in baseball. And uh, like we've like I've said a couple of times, they got they, they definitely have some holes they can fill in the season, too, that can make them maybe the best. So, yeah, you got any final thoughts on this team? Because this is kind of just our overall roster preview for the season. We'll do a little more preview stuff as the season approaches, but – just looking looking at these guys deeply and seeing what they got. It's just very impressive stuff. So you got any final thoughts on it? Yeah, we'll know a little bit more when, when spring training's over, they make final cuts and stuff. But yeah, yeah our, our, our roster is loaded and and I got high expectations. So, you know, stack division, it's gonna be a fun year. It's gonna be a very competitive year. Um and and like you said, we can we can we have we have some room to improve, no doubt. So um, I, I think a lot of it's going to be seeing what you have, like Grissom, um, Rosario, and Left. Those guys have a lot to prove. So uh-huh. um, we'll we'll get a better feel once we get a little bit into the season and and and, and see how it's going. It's going to be it's going to be good. We need we need some guys to carry the weight, but we also need some guys to step up. So exciting team, man. We got a good roster. Yeah, and. Last, my final thought is like so much. It's a in a baseball season, so much happens and so much changes. Some guys you think are going to be really good aren't going to be that good. Some guys that you think are going to do nothing are going to do a lot. Like, who would have thought last year that Michael Harris and Spencer Strider were going to do what they did? 
who would have thought Eddie was going to be that bad? Like it, it goes both ways. Some guys are going to have disappointing years. Some guys are going to come out and be awesome. Um, but at the end of the day, the Braves have so much depth and talent everywhere that if some guys slip, some other guys are going to step up and they're going to be really good. And that's mm-hmm. the luxury they have with this roster. They're excellent. I I think like they 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 you can make the argument they're the best team in baseball. Like, and Fangraphs thinks that with the having them for the best record, they just are super well rounded in every ask every every facet of the game. So. I uh, I like this team a lot, and I'm glad that they're my team. Glad that my team is good at baseball. Me too. Yeah, because some of some of these other teams, man, are <laughs> like the Nationals <laughs> right now, the A's. It's tough. Hey, we went we, through the same thing. We had we our fair share. We did. We did. And we came out the other side looking great, and it was all worth it at the end. And it's still worth it. It's going to be worth it for years to come because this team is not going anywhere. So yeah, yeah. I think that's it. We ran a little long on this one. I'm going through all these guys, but uh, had to do it, had to get it done. So uh, yeah, if you have made it this far listening to this uh, roster, deep dive Hawks talk, all that stuff, we really, really appreciate it. And we will be back next week with another episode.